Did you know the Tower of Babel was more than four times the size of the largest building in the world today? Or the construction techniques employed over 4,000 years ago rival modern times? Or the zodiac calendar's origin and worship of false gods and religions through the moon, stars, and sun can also be traced back to this time. Even more sadly, the strategies of godless humanism, atheism, and existentialism can also find their foundation in this fool's tower. Join us now as we take a trip backwards and forwards in examining the strategies and purpose for the Tower of Babel. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Good day, everyone. Hi, this is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Today, we're going to continue or or conclude our two-part series on the Tower of Babel. Uh, This one is titled The Tower of Babel and Fools, The Consequences of Deception. Why deception? Well, we will see uh, as, as we investigate and drill down to the tactics that were used in, in leading the people to building this tower and what we can find within the construction and the confines and the tactics that were derived in, and the ultimate mission, which was evil in its face, uh, which was defiant to God. And, and we'll uncover that. And I also believe that we can trace a lot of that to what we're seeing around the world today. No surprise there. Most people, if you're listening, you're aware of the uh, methods of deception that are going on around the world. I'm in America, so I see uh, the media colluding together and working together to get off their agenda and and to bring about uh, their message by colluding and saying something is one way when, when in fact they know it's, an, it's the other or the opposite. And I, I would say, you know, what's great about, well, one of the wonderful things about so many people that I run across, particularly, obviously, most of my contacts are in America, uh, but many Americans are very much aware of the deception that's going on around the world today in our, in our country, in our government, and in our culture. Um, but again, I just want to uh, um, base a lot of what we see today can be traced back here. Uh, hope, hope you, hopefully you like these things. If you can, please hit the like button and the subscribe button. It's very important for us if you can do that, uh, particularly on the YouTube channel, if you can join our uh, subscription there. And we're, we're on a lot of the social media platforms. Join us on, on the uh, various podcast platforms. You can find all the different locations by going to russicoutlook.com, social media, etc. I don't want to belabor the point, but it really helps us get the message out because ultimately we're trying to engage people with truth, being respectful of people's uh, opinions and, and or, or maybe some of their uh, upbringing and how that's impacted their thinking today. Uh, so if you could hit that like or subscribe and subscribe button, I'm sorry, uh, and join our email list by jumping on russicoutlook.com. Uh, enough of that. Let me get into this. Uh, we're going to begin with Nimrod. In, we're going to be obviously talking about chapter 11 in Genesis, the Tower of Babel. But before chapter 11 is chapter 10. No surprise there. I'm going to read chapter 10, verses 8 through 12. Uh, Cush, this is about the nations and the development of the nations and uh, from, from the three sons of, of Noah um, and, and where, you know, the, the, the lineage and the heritage that begat each one of their sons. And, and we talked about this in the previous broadcast. But let me uh, read this again. This is a huge or a, the largest section about one individual in this chapter as we're talking about the different nations and the, uh, 
the origin of these nations. And it says, Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. I'm, I'm just, let me, let me preempt that saying, mighty hunter before the Lord is not a good thing, and we'll break that down into the proper translations. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So he starts his kingdom. That's his origin. He's the one who's in front. And he also has Iraq, Akkad, Kalna, in, in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kala, Resin, and between Nineveh and Kala, that is the principal city. So there are all the different locations and nations and cities that he was responsible for, for building. But he began with the Tower of Babel. And even though the Lord kind of squashed that, if you will, he continued on. And we, and we talked about in the first half how he, they openly defied the instructions of God uh, when he told uh, man to, to go forth and, and prosper and, and uh, go throughout the earth. And he said this before the flood as well as after the flood. And again, we, we've, we've covered that previously, but I want to lay this foundation now of who Nimrod was and, and his surrounding kingdoms. So I'm going to read the Genesis chapter 11 about the Tower of Babel. It's very quick, uh, but it, just in case you're joining us for the first time and you didn't hear the previous broadcast. The whole earth had one language and one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And Shinar in this land we talked about previously is the land of Babylon, modern-day Iraq. It's the Mesopotamian, uh, uh, what's called the Fertile Crescent in, the, in that area, and I laid out some maps from that previously. Then they said one to another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. We're going to uncover the sophistication of their construction techniques. And, and this is why, you know, and we've covered this even previous with a lot of the uh, Nephilim and the giants and their construction techniques, because obviously they were influenced by um, uh, satanic angels. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad in the face of the earth. And that's where I talked about the direct defiance to God. God wanted us to scatter or wanted the man to scatter through the earth and to diversify and to spread out. And he's saying, or Nimrod uh, is leading the pack to do the exact opposite, to, to conjugate together, to come together in one location, and ultimately to get up into the heavens and defeat God. This is really what it's about. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, these people are one. They all have one language. That is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down. And I talked about that this being the Trinity, uh, because it, the, here we've gone from the singular in verse 5 to the plural in verse 7. Let us go down and therefore confuse their language. They may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the covers of the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. So he basically uh, initiated what they were supposed to do from the beginning. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the, <clears throat> from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So that lays the foundation. So we know Nimrod built it. Nimrod was the leader. 
Babel was his first location. Now you're, you see the sins of Babel. You see what they're about, what they were trying to do, and, and God's response to it. So let's go and, and break down this, this person, Nimrod. Um, Nimrod means let us rebel. And again, he was called the mighty hunter. So we're going to first break down his kingdoms. And I just I read for you what all, all the different locations that, that he conquered and that he went after. And Babel, I'm going to give you the meaning of these. Babel means confusion or mixing. His next one was Erech. Lengthen, prolong, or live with. Akkad is the next one. It's a subtle fortress to strengthen is the, is the root word, but it's subtle. So if you begin right there, uh, he's conf- if you put these together, he's trying to build something of length and, and substance by, by doing so, by confusing, by mixing, and he's doing it subtly. You know, uh, Satan, Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. Subtlety and deception is a tactic of lie. Deception is a lie. It's misleading from the truth, no matter how many people try to spin it other ways. So you have to look at, well, you know, how does he do that? So interestingly enough, the fourth one is called Kalna. Uh, This is a fortress of Anu from the Sumerian culture. I'm giving you uh, an image if you're following on video. Uh, He was a god that many of the other gods from the false religions were derived from. We can trace back as many as 50 or more gods or false religions that stem from this. So this was kind of the hub. This area in in the Fertile Crescent was the hub of false religions. It was the hub of deceiving people, getting people away from God, and doing so, you know, with other gods. and, and, And we'll examine some of them and who they are. Uh, the next one is Nineveh. Real, the meaning of Nineveh is not really clear. Uh, some have said that it might mean Nimrod. It's a possibility or the abode of uh, Ninos. I will say that it's it's not a hundred, it's not crystal clear. Uh, the next one is Rehoboth Ear. It means wide paths or streets. M- many different ways to get there. Next one is Kala, the completion and resilient strength. And the last one is reason, which means a bridle. So you think the bridle is what goes on the horse's head. That's what stirs, steers the horse. That's what controls the horse. That controls the direction. So if you really look at the meaning of these, of, of these, you see that uh, Nimrod and, and the forces of evil are trying to strengthen and build these cities, these kingdoms through deception. Uh, through these different false religions, false gods, you know, again, just whatever you need to do to get away from uh, the, the, the truth of who Yahweh is, because we're talking about, you know, in, in near the beginning in the Old Testament. Um, and and I, it's interesting that Rehoboth is wide streets, uh, you know, because we'll see, and you see this today, it's prevalent today. There are many paths to God. Uh, you know, if, if if you're a Christian, you understand that that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, but but if you're not, and you see this today, you see that uh, you know people want to say Allah is God. Unfortunately, you know you're seeing this in the Catholic religion. You're seeing this with the Pope today. I mean, no disrespect to Catholics. I was born and raised a Catholic. But if you watch what the Vatican is doing today, it, uh, it is openly defying what the Bible is, is, is all about and the Word of God is all about. Um, and, you know, that's a subject, you know, for, 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 for another broadcast. 
but I'm just pointing out that you see this throughout um, many, many different cultures, not just the Catholics. And let me also just emphasize, there are wonderful millions and millions and millions of Catholics who love Jesus, who know the Lord. Uh, you know, so I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the leadership is, is you know, going down some very troublesome roads. Let me put it that way. Um, so ultimately, the purpose of this kingdom or Nimrod's kingdoms to offer constructive control over his servants through confusing and mixing Yahweh's ways. Remember, Yahweh wanted one way and he immediately dictated another way. Um, and he did so by putting a false religion out in front, just as what we will see in the end of days. There will be a false religion. And this was led by this God called Anu or Anu, uh, which spawned multiple wide paths through the creation of more gods and more gods and more gods. And, you know, you saw this with the Israelis in the Old Testament, that they worshipped many of these false gods and false religions. So that's, that's kind of a, a, a foundation for the kingdoms that he built. Now I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into Mighty Hunter before the Lord. So I'm going to break this down, if you follow me on video, to the right in yellow. The word before literally means face, in front of, or it's face to face. So Nimrod was a mighty hunter facing the Lord. When you're facing your enemy, or when you're confronting your enemy, you're facing them. You don't have your back turned to them. So this can be translated as in front of, or facing, or against God. He is a hunter against God. That's the correct translation here. He was a mighty hunter against the Lord. Uh, so just, just you know, understand that. Um, if you jump down to the white here, it says that Nimrod was against God. He was facing the Lord in battle. His antagonism, rather in antagonism, rather than submission. Uh, this is what, if you look at the context of his conquest, which we just you know laid out, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And, and clearly there is more than meets the eye there. He conquered Babel. He conquered Erek, Akkad, Kala in the land of Shinar. He, these were conquests. So when he's a hunter before, before God and he's facing, he's going up against God, he's hunting men. He's taking men down. And this is why a lot of people feel like he might have been one of the Nephilim giants because they were hunting men. Um, uh, and it says that nowhere did God give them the right to dominion over men by conquering them, but this is what Nimrod did. I'd like to just jump down to the Sperling translation that renders this phrase. He began to be a despot. Uh, he was a despot against God. He deceived. He manipulated. He controlled those that brought under his dominion. It was very subtle. And if you think about the devil and his subtleties, it's exactly the tactics that we see here. Satan his, and his demons through Nimrod conspired against God to bring mankind into one government. This was all getting everybody in one accord, moving together. And, and you know, th that's why I say, you know, much of the foundation is what we see today with the globalist moving towards a one world government, just as uh, what was written about in, in the Old Testament. And we see it in the book of Daniel and see it, uh, you know, come to this conclusion in the book of Revelation as revealed to the Apostle John. Just wanted to show one thing here in Micah 5, 5 through 6 on the bottom. When the Assyrian comes into our land, 
If you think, if you if you know uh, your Bible in Revelation, the Assyrian is referred to as the Antichrist. The Assyrian Empire was the second global empire after the Egyptians, and this is where this area, this Fertile Crescent, this is where the land of Shinar, this is all by the land of Assyria. So Micah goes on to say, and when he treads in our places, then we will rail against him. This is reference to what we'll see in the midpoint of the tribulation. When, when he treads on our places, meaning when he comes into the temple and he declares himself God. Seven shepherds and eight princely men uh, could be, you know, that, that could be alluding to the angels we see in Revelation. They shall wait, lay waste with the sword the land of Assyria and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. So here we're talking about the conclusion. We're talking about the seven-year tribulation. But again, it's going back to Nimrod. Thus he shall deliver us from the Assyrian from the Antichrist, when he comes into our land, when he treads within our borders. So you see that there's a very deep uh, relationship to not only what we see today, what's going on around us today, but also what will come in the seven-year tribulation. So I'd like to just jump for a bit into some of the things that we see today and the construction techniques. If you're following me on video, I'll jump to the bottom left, left under ziggurat. This was the technique, the construction technique that they used. And we see this in roughly 25 different sites in that same land uh, of that fertile crescent in the Mesopotamian region. Again, this is what would be modern-day Iraq. They are pyramidal steep steps or steep temple tower uh, and they, it was an architectural and religious structure, and it was characteristic throughout Mesopotamia. Uh, we can trace this from 2200 to 500 BC. It was always built with a core of mud brick and an exterior covered with baked brick, just as what was described in, in Genesis 11, verse 4, I believe. It had no internal chambers and was approximately or usually square or rectangular, and approximately 25 different ziggurats are known in Sumer, Babylonia, and Assyria. Uh, there are many pictures you can find online of this. Uh, this. This one on the bottom left, there's other pictures of American soldiers when they were in Iraq uh, going up these steps. And you can see the, uh, the ziggurat of Ur, uh, which is where uh, ultimately the, the travels began for uh, Abraham. But this is the sketch of what they were attempting to build. Very, very sophisticated for their time. So, you know, clearly when you go back, uh, you know, these thousands of years, we're not talking about, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about evil, you know, and the influence of evil and the influence of dark forces uh, influencing man and they're showing them how to do these things, how to build these things, how to derive these things. Because if you, if you look at it, it starts with a very wide base and it very systematically works its way towards the center so that it has that proper foundation and it can withstand uh, ultimately windstorms in the desert and, and other extraneous uh, you know, types of weather interactions. I'd like to jump to Jubilees 1021. Book of Jubilees is referenced in the Old Testament. Uh, I've talked about it before. Um, it's it's not scriptural, so and I'm not saying that it is, but I do find uh, many many things line up scripturally in the Book of Jasher, which is why I would refer to it from time to time. And I, the reason I want to bring this up here is the Book of Jasher talks about the measurements that that were achieved here. So whether you want to believe it or not, it's up entirely up to you. But I will say that this 
does cover the the foundation that the the area which was chosen uh, matches ge- uh, geographically in terms of what they would need. This was uh, uh, um, basically, it, it, I think it was between, in a conservative estimate, it was 100 miles minimum at its foundation. And there were some that would interpret it as up to 200 miles. So the, the base foundation of it starts with a 100-mile diameter minimum. And it can go up to 200 miles. And I'm going to say that that makes sense when you look at the height of it. The height of it was, according to the book of Jasher, 5,422 cubits. This equals 8,150 story uh, uh, um, feet. I'm sorry. That says uh, ST there. It, it, it should have been converted to FT if you're following on video. But it, that equates to over 752 stories. We have nothing like that in the world to go by. But this is what this was saying. And if you think about that, they wanted to ascend into the heavens. Height was clearly uh, of utmost importance. Wanted to just give you some references. We're obsessed with building the largest towers. Um, I'm from New York, so obviously I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with many of the New York City towers, the skyline there, the Empire State Building, the Trade Center, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to give you a comparison to uh, uh, the tallest building in the world that's known today, which is Burj Khalifa, which is in Dubai. It is 160 stories. Compare that to the reported 752 stories. That's more than four times larger than the tallest building that we have today, more than four times the size. So think about that. So this, we're talking again about incredibly sophisticated construction techniques. I just wanted it to touch base, and a lot of what you will see in the ziggurats are, um, you will find your bases in, in, in astrology. Uh, this is found throughout this region, throughout the land of Mesopotamia. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, if you're a Christian, you understand that, you know, this is not from the Lord, and it is something that he finds abominable. And you know, there are just so many Christians and, they, oh, it's so, you know, it's it's harmless, it's this, it's that. I just wanted to read for you what, what the Lord has to say about it. Let me just begin with, with something that, that I found here. Uh, archaeologists believe that the Tower of Babel was a ziggurat at Marduk's great temple in Babylon. Uh, so it was a religious structure. At the apex of the ziggurats were religious shrines. So as you went up in different platforms, different areas, there would be different shrines. So the higher you go, different gods. Um, it was called the high places for pagan worship. And, and we can see this throughout the Book of Kings and, and Chronicles. And, uh, you know, you can look at where uh, some of the things that, that, that fell by the wayside with Solomon. So Marduk means bull calf of the sun. Uh, so Marduk was a celestial god. Uh, ziggurats are extent with levels equal in number to the signs of the zodiac. Hmm, interesting. With each level and the color of the zodiac. At the top has been found a platform with the signs of the zodiac. So we find these on numerous ziggurats throughout this entire region. Uh, if you know your history, if you go back to the Egyptians and the sun god and Ra and you know, there's so much uh, worship that went on with the different sun, moon, and stars. Uh, so astrology was practiced at the Tower of Babel, more than likely. I mean, it, there's no reason to believe otherwise. Um, 
and and you know this is in direct contradiction to, to the Lord. So I'm going to give you something from Deuteronomy, chapter four. Unless thou lift up thine eyes into heaven, and when thou seest the sun, the moon, and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven should be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God has divided into all the nations under the whole heaven. So it's clear from this passage that the Lord scattered the people, confused the languages, creating the nations. He did this at the Tower of Babel. What the people were doing there was they were worshiping the cosmos, the heavens, that is modern-day astrology. Let me go on to verse 17, uh, chapter 17, 2 and 5. If therefore be among you within any of the gates that the Lord gives, man or woman now has found wickedness in the sight of God in transgressing the covenant. Hath God, uh, hath God not served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun, the moon, or any of the host of heaven which I have not commanded? And it be told thou, that thou hast heard it and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true and the thing certain that such an abomination is wrought in Israel. So the Lord's calling this an abomination. Thou shalt give forth uh, that man or that woman which has committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even now that man or that woman, thou shalt stone them with stones until they die. So, it, you know, that's how serious that, you know, the, that, that the Lord takes it. The, the, the stars and the sun and the moon and other things are in the heavens. If you go back to Genesis for signs and for uh, uh, signs and for seasons and for the feast, the, the, the feast that the Lord has declared, that is what that was for. So again, deception, you know, getting man off target, getting him to worship gods and look into the heavens, look, look up into and, you know, building this tower that goes, you know, that high because you're clearly looking to get into space and what they see. And consider back then at that time, uh, you, you know, the way you're, you're, you're near creation, the, 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 the stars would have just shined so much brighter. There would have been so much more depth, you know, than what we're able to see today. So there was that lure, that attraction. And I have some other information on this page if you want to look at it or, or, or look it up yourself. So this, this is not to be considered or taken lightly. Uh, and, and, and it's very, very uh, casual the way it's been approached over the years. And people, you know, uh, unfortunately, some people dictate their life and they believe that their character and who their makeup is, is dictated by what their sign of the stars is, you know. So, all right, I'll, I'll get off my heavenly soapbox. How's that? So I want to bring you to Romans 1, 18, 32. Ultimately, this is where I want to land because this is what we're talking about. For the wrath of God, is, this is the Apostle Paul talking about defying Lord and how he views this. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteous, unrighteousness, who by unrighteousness suppress the truth. What can be known about God is plain because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So, you know, and he's saying, and so they are without excuse. God's made it clear and, and plain to people. And, you know, he's calling the ones who are deceivers and deceptors of the truth. I don't know if that's a word, um, but that, 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 that is, you know, um, in direct violation to, to the Lord's command. Jumping down to verse 22, they are claiming to be wise. They become fools, which is 
you know, how I derived that, that title here. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I didn't really, you know, delve too deep into it, but if you look at all these gods back at that time, you see them depicted with animals, half man, half animal. And if you trace a lot of the Nephilim, animals were definitely impacted. Uh, I'll be covering that in another topic down the road. Uh, Jumping to verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to the dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So, you know, there you have it. I mean, it, it's clear. And, you know, people, they want to get on this, this kick, and you see this now. I'm in the middle of Pride Month, and they're just they're forcing this on you. And if you were to disagree with them for... Uh, your your faith purposes, for your religious purposes, then, you know, you're considered a bigot or a hater or, you know, or this or that. But really, you know, what you're doing is you're standing up for the truth. You're standing up for the word of God. Doesn't mean you don't love them and God doesn't love them. That's the furthest thing from the truth, uh, which is another lie. Uh, you know, they are all wonderful. When I say they, I mean, you know, people who are engaged in sin, whether it's homosexuality, uh, you know, or, or what. God loves you, and, you know, that there's no way around that, and, you know, we are no better or worse than them, but, we, you know, we need to be able to speak the truth, and, you know, you're going to see this in this next clip of, of what I'm about to play, you know, how that comes in, how that comes in, um, or, I'm sorry, two slides now, um, and verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do whatever they not want to do or not be done. Closing in verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You see it all today. You do whatever you want. You know, everything is, is, is open for game and it's all acceptable. So I want to break this down to what we see today. If you're following me on video, I'm showing you a picture in the top left of a guy holding up a sign that says, no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. That is, you know, an, an attitude that's indicative of many people today. They don't think, well, I don't believe that they're thinking it through. It's, it's just a reaction. Because ultimately, if we believe in God, we're accountable to God. So a lot of what I believe comes from where you can trace back to the Tower of Babel you can see today, I'm, and I'm listing some things here. Atheism means life without God. Humanism, who needs God when we have each other? Existentialism, egocentrist, narcissist. If we say it's okay, then it's okay. It's called situational ethics. Godless ecumenism, taking our own counsel. Man counsels man. Um, secular uni- humanism seeks the greater good. You know, Whatever they think man thinks is the greater good, then that's what's right. So let's make a name for ourselves. Let's not talk about God. They deliberately acknowledge their purpose, and it's contrary to God's command, and it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to refer back to verse 6 from the uh, chapter 11 about the Tower of Babel. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. This is really what I think it's about. It's not about stifling your creativity or stifling 
your capabilities. It's it's about that you're you're being given over to a reprobate mind where anything and everything is acceptable. There has to be boundaries, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter where you are, whether it's a whether it's a sport game or whether it's life, it's in business. There are rules, there are boundaries, and you need to play within them. And the Lord's given us boundaries and rules and laid it out for our good. He knows better than us. Um, and and you know I and, and I'm, I'm I stand on on what I believe and and this is from you know th- almost my entire life of of seeing the Word of God to be unquestionably undeniably accurate spot on every time and and I don't always get it right and I don't ever want to seem that way. But, you know, this is what I see, what concerns me around the world today, that everything and anything is okay, and and there are no boundaries. And ultimately, as long as we're not accountable, then, you know, we don't want to look that way. Um, So I say, you know, this to me looks like build this and you get close to God, which means you've built the tower. If you build the tower, you're going to get close to God. If you do your works, that's a works-based system. That's the opposite of Christianity. That's the opposite of discipleship with Jesus. We've done nothing. You can do nothing but to accept the gift of, of, of freedom in Christ is what I would call it. So, you know, there, this is why I think you see so many methods of deception that are in play today that you can trace back to the Tower of Babel. So I'm, I'm going to set up this next clip for you. This is just something that I see uh, in government. This is about the Equality Act, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, is is really not what I'm bringing out. But you're going to see the contrast of two politicians uh, debating this this law in the halls of Congress. This is obviously for 2021. And, you know, the most of it is this, this one person who, a congressman who opposes the law. But then you'll see the response of Congressman Jerry Nadler from New York, where he talks about, uh, well, I, I should preface it by saying, I'm, you know what, I'm going to let you listen. You'll, you'll hear this. It's, it's just like a minute and a half. It's a wonderful clip, but it's totally, totally indicative of what we see today. Personal style that offends God, but rather the use of one's appearance to act out or take on a sexual identity different from the one biologically assigned by God at birth. In his wisdom, God intentionally made each individual uniquely either male or female. When men or women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they are making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. I'm going to quote directly from Dr. Tony Evans' commentary Bible on this passage of Scripture. Men and women equally share in bearing the image of God, but he has designed them to be distinct from and complementary toward one another. The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. Gentlemen will suspend. The House will be in order. Gentlemen may continue. I'm going to read that line again. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. And I think we are seeing the consequences of rejecting God here in our country today. And this bill speaks directly against what is laid out in Scripture. Our government, through this bill, is going to redefine what a woman is and what a man is. It can be anyone who identifies in that gender. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. So, you know, 
I, I think that clip, you know, speaks for itself. I think that speaks for where we're at today. And, you know, we see that that more and more they're trying to get away from God. They're defying God. Many times they're mocking God. Um, but, you know, I would just say for them, fortunately, God is patient. But ultimately, one day there will be a price to be paid. Um, I, I just three scriptures come to mind as I close this all out. Uh, Proverbs fifteen three: the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Nothing escapes God. He's omnipresent. He's, he's everywhere, he's, which is how he'll be able to judge you because he knows and sees everything that's gone on, even the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Uh, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Amen. And then ultimately, I think what this is about is Matthew 6.33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's about being a kingdom builder. It's about seeking him, putting him first. If your aspirations and your thoughts and your ways and your your your, your motivations are, are putting or looking towards God first, he will direct everything around you. You'll have everything that you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be a wonderful life. It's you'll have your trials if you know if you're not a Christian, um, but that's where you'll find peace. Let me say that there will be trials, there will be difficulties, but you will sense in it that God is with you the whole time, as it said in Proverbs, and He'll guide you. And as long as you're leaning and looking to Him, He will protect you and guide your way. And I would say, you know, in closing, in these in these last days of what we're seeing. And the wickedness of men getting away from it, it's going to be that much more important to stand your ground and be willing to know that there will be those who will come against you and mock you because the Apostle Peter talked about it, that there will be mockers. Uh, but, but, you know, that's, that's, that's to be expected. So thanks for joining me on this two-part series. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I certainly did. And uh, questions, comments, always prayer requests. Please email me, russickoutlook at gmail.com. Can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, This is Mark Russick at the Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion.